was building something. That it was all for me. Building something? Is he talking about the fleet? He must be. So he's building an army just like we thought. Yeah, but he's not building this army to spread. He's building it to stop Eleven. Last year, El closed the gate on him. I have a feeling that really pissed him off. Like royally. And the Mind Flayer now knows that she's the only thing that can stop him. But if she's out of the way... Game over. He also said he was gonna kill all of you. Well, that's nice. told you this, it was here, in this room? He knows we're here. I told you I'd be back, right? Didn't I? Ah, I said I'd be back in July, and here we are. Ooh, we're, look, I did half this season like over a year ago, and now I've almost got the second half of the season done. I mean, after this one, we only have one episode left. But I do have some ideas to keep the podcast going. While we wait and wait and wait for season four. But we're not here to talk about season four today. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Stranger Danger, the official Stranger Things podcast of my website, fansnotexperts.com. And today we are going to talk about Stranger Things 3. Chapter 7, not Episode 7, Chapter 7, The Bite. But before we do that, I'd like to just uh, mention a few things. First of all, um, you can find me on Twitter at Geek Mentality. You can find the podcast on Twitter. I don't think I talk about this enough. At Stranger D Pod. I'm getting new new, uh, followers all the time. My buddy Caden is following me there now, so I really appreciate it. And also, I want to mention a few people who I, um, I'm not sure if I mentioned any of these people, so I'm going to mention them all 
Now, these are recent, um, these are recent uh, iTunes reviews now, or whatever they're called now, Apple Podcast reviews. Now, it seems like most people are listening to this show on Spotify. Hello, Spotify friends. But I don't know if there's a place on Spotify where we can write reviews. So, so if you have an Apple account and would like to go over to the uh, podcast.apple.com, or if you just go to fansnotexperts.com slash stranger danger, you'll find a link to the Apple show and leave a review if you want. You know, if you do, I'll, I'll mention it on the show. In fact, I'm going to mention all of them right now. Going back to 2018, this was from Dark Sharon 126 I don't know if I ever mentioned this. He simply wrote, what is wrong with people? Stranger Things is awesome. I agree. Then uh, a couple months later, this was almost a year, a little over a year ago. Number 14 wrote, definitely one of the most comprehensive. This podcast is way more focused on episodes than other podcasts. Keep on trucking. And it was that exact moment where I basically stopped for almost a year. So number 14, if you're still out there, um, thank you. Then there was me. Yes, I wrote my own iTunes review, but I definitely let people know. It says, whoever this guy is, totally not me. He's that hosts this show. He sounds handsome. Also, the show sounds good, but mostly the voice sounds very handsome. Again, not me, but it is me. Then we come more to recently. So back in April, before I even brought the show back, we got, uh, please do season two. Please do season two of Stranger Things. And yes, I'm still listening to this. Don't judge me. Just do season two or or three. Please do it. Now, I don't know if they were behind or not because season two was already out and done, like, for a while. Um, like, years, I want to say. <laughs> so, I don't know. But if you're out there, thank you. Uh, then, a month later, uh, Wabu Funny, Wabu Funny? I don't know. They just wrote, awesome, I love it, the quality is great. Fantastic. Then I got one more recently, uh, just, I got two this month. So one from Zod Le Z Z O D L W Man. So shout me out. I love your show. I can't wait for the next episode. I'm so addicted to your show. That is really awesome. And I just feel so bad that it took me forever to get the show back on the road. And then uh, last but certainly not least, Aubrey Maria wrote, can't wait for the next update. This is my favorite podcast and the only one I've stuck with. Thank you. I first found it on Spotify and now listen to it on there. I love it so much. Heart emoji. Awesome. Thank you. But I'm not just here to, um, to talk about myself and talk about uh, reviews. I'm here to talk about Stranger Things. So why don't we do that? But before we do, let's take a moment to hear from today's sponsor oh what a wonderful sponsor that was okay without any further ado let's get to talking about the bite this episode opens up at the hawkins fun fair presented by mayor klein of course the sign says presented by mayor klein because the guy is such an egomaniac it has all your classic fair games and attractions that you're used to seeing. But there's also a mayor that I mentioned who is an egomaniac 
who is there to want to give a speech, of course, because what kid in town doesn't want to hear a speech from the mayor? But he starts talking, and really, we don't really care what he has to say. He gives a little wink to the Hawkins High Marching Band, and as he starts talking, it just kind of pans away from him, and his voice starts to fade away, and we pan over to a Ferris wheel, where we see Mr. and Mrs. Wheeler and the youngest Wheeler child, whose name is Holly, who I definitely had to look up because I often forget that there's a third child. One you could call the third wheel-er. Anyone? Anyone? No? Oh, oh, okay. Do you ever notice that Mrs. Wheeler seems much younger than Mr. Wheeler? Uh, and also, Mr. Wheeler does not seem too happy to be riding this ride at all. Also, the guy running the ride, the dude, he looks, well, okay, he looks like every dude who's ever run a ride at a carnival anywhere in the world. Uh, anyway, back to the mayor. His speech seems to be over, uh, but the fun is just about to pick up. You could just tell by the way he talks that he's just so slimy, but the people in town don't care or don't seem to know or they're just excited and happy because all they care about is seeing fireworks. But enough of me blabbing. Who here wants to see some fireworks? Come on now, you can do better than that. Who here... Wants to see some fireworks. Me, me, I want to see some fireworks, Mr. Mayor. Yay. Back over to the Ferris wheelers. Yes, another brilliant pun. They're stopped at the top of the wheel. Now, as a kid, I remember, okay, also as an adult, I've been on a Ferris wheel the last couple of years. Sometimes you're stopped at the top because people at the bottom need to get off. So they stopped the wheel. But that didn't seem to be the case here. Um, Dad, first of all, was like, why are we stopped? And Mrs. Wheeler's like, well, I slipped Jimmy some cash. Now, the one takeaway I took from this is she knows the guy who runs the Ferris wheel and she knows his name is Jimmy and she has a close enough relationship over the years of Jimmy running this Ferris wheel that she's able to slip him a bribe that allows them to have the best fireworks in the house. Happy Fourth of July, everybody. Now, the fireworks seem great, and the mayor seems very pleased with himself. And everybody there is looking up into the sky and enjoying the colorful, exploding summer sky, including the wheelers. Well, two of the wheelers, Mr. and Mrs. Wheeler. But Holly... Her eyes seem to be focused down a bit, down to a spot in the woods. Mom, the trees. What, baby? The trees are moving. Why are you looking at the trees, baby? The fireworks. Look at the fireworks. Okay, the friggin' trees are moving. There's something in the woods. And Mrs. Wheeler doesn't even seem to care what Holly is saying. It's not that she doesn't believe Holly or doesn't see the trees. She just doesn't care. Her head is looking up, up, up at the fireworks. It seems like 
None of these parents have any idea what's going on except for Joyce and Hopper. And I'll include Hopper because he's basically Eleven's dad now. There's no, like, like Lucas's parents, nothing. Dustin's mother, we saw her for a second. Um, Max's parents, well, we know what's kind of going on there. Uh, the Wheelers, they're around, but... You know, they're kind of clueless. Nothing is, no one is more clueless in this whole show than Mr. Wheeler. And he plays it good. He's like, what? Um, but there is something in the woods. And uh, well, you and I, we, we probably know what it is. So then we go to the credits. And right after the credits, we pick right back up with the fireworks. But we pan down and we see that we're at Hopper's cabin. And this is the clip that um, I played at the beginning of the show where Eleven has explained to all of them what Billy said. And Nancy figures out that because Billy was talking to Eleven in the cabin, that the mind flayer now knows where the cabin is and um, is coming to kill them all. So that's when they hear this like noise outside. And you could you could just know like you see. Something's happening. And then Will feels the hair on the back of his neck stand up. And it's like, he's here. And you know, that's like the the dead giveaway. When Will feels it, when he gets that little like, uh-oh, uh, yeah, then you know what's happening. So they all run outside, which I'd be like, uh, what are you doing? Go back inside. Hide. But they run outside and off in the distance, in the woods, uh, they see the giant, mind-flaying, people-goo monster just, like, flash, thrashing th- down the trees. Boom, <laughs> heading towards them. And um, the look on Eleven's face is like, uh-oh. So while they're probably figuring out what to do, we jump back over to the mall rats, uh, where they're... Staging their escape with Dustin and Erica driving that little small tram, whatever you call it, while Robin and Steve are in the back still, still high as a kite and not quite coming down off their drugs yet. Uh, they're, they're like nervous because they think Dustin's driving too fast. And that leads to kind of a funny argument where they're talking about whether it's the Indy 500 or the Indy 300. And, of course, Dustin probably is driving too fast because they end up crashing right into a bunch of barrels. They hear these alarms going off, and they need to get the hell out of there as quickly as possible. Uh, So they jump out of the car. Dustin has the key card that he stole from one of the Russian guys, and it worked perfectly. They're flying back up the elevator now. Steve and Robin are still high as kites, and they're giggling, and they're pretending to be surfing, and they're just laughing and, and, and thrashing all over the place. And it's kind of cute, and it's funny because Erica uh, and Dustin, really they're almost like they don't know what's going on. They're like, they seem drunk. And Dustin's like, how the hell could they be drunk? So then Dustin, it's actually kind of a funny exchange. He checks on Steve. Uh, they, they have such a like, best friend relationship. Um, and he's, he sees that his eyes are dilated, sees that he's burning up, and he's like, Steve. Uh, did they drug you? And Steve is like, it's not drugs, Dad. It's just marijuana. And Dustin's trying to basically just find out where Steve's car is parked. 
so they can get out of there as quickly as possible because he assumes the Russians will be looking for them upstairs right when they come out off the elevator. But Steve mentions that they took his keys, so the car is pretty much off the boards. They come off the elevator, and Robin and Steve are still high as kite and giggling, and they're tasting the air. They're like, oh, the air is so delicious. And just like Dustin said, there are two Russian security guards that just walking right at them. So they turn right back into the mall and head from whence they came. So we jump back over to the cabin crew and um, Nancy is in Hopper's shed and she finds a rifle in there. So that's good. And I have to say, she looks pretty badass and she is pretty badass in this episode. Meanwhile, Jonathan finds an axe, which comes in handy. And it seems like the rest of them are just fortifying the cabin, putting stuff up on the windows and the doors, trying to barricade every possible entrance uh, so that the monster, that giant, scary monster, won't get in. How far away was he when we saw him, you know, at the beginning? Like, we saw him thrashing through the woods, and I say he, I don't know if the Mind Flayer is a he she, they, it's a they, really, because it's all these people. Um, it. We saw it thrashing through the woods, and yet the kids have all this time to get things ready. Thank God. Thank God they do. Um, so they, while they're fortifying, they seem like they have everything um, kind of covered. So Nancy's like, get away from the windows, and then they all stand back to back in a circle and just Wait. Get away from the windows. I have to admit, when they're just all standing there, waiting, the wait is like exhausting me. I'm like, oh my God, you know this thing is coming. Oh, what was that? Oh my God. Like the wait and the quiet was, ooh, it was close. Oh yeah, it's close. All right. Just the anticipation that you know something is coming is frightening. Let go. And then it gets quiet. Some might say too quiet. Oh my god! So this giant tentacle just flies into the room, and the monster like. It knocks Jonathan way to the side. And all of a sudden, Nancy grabs a gun and starts shooting at it. And then Jonathan's hacking at it with an axe. And it almost gets Nancy. It almost gets Jonathan. And then out of nowhere, just when it's about to get Nancy, uh, boom. Eleven uses her awesome powers and stops the thing dead in her tracks. You just see her reach her hand out and like use her powers. And she's using her powers. And she just lops the hand, the mouth, the whatever the hell it is, right off the arm, which then retracts immediately out of the room, shoots right back up. Holy shit. Oh, my God. A new arm shoots in, then another arm, and Eleven holds both of those arms off. She's really straining, it seems like, using her powers to hold both of these off. But once again, she lobs off 
both ends of the arms. And then a third arm shoots in and it grabs Levin and almost pulls her out of the cabin through the roof. This was frightening. It looks like the arm was coming out of the mouth of the monster. I wonder if that arm had any Mrs. Driscoll in her. I don't know. Um, but this is insanity. Everyone seems to be holding on to Eleven, and Nancy's reloading the gun. Everyone's holding her back, you know, trying to hold her from getting pulled up by the monster. And boom, boom, she starts shooting, and boom, shooting again. Lucas grabs the axe that Jonathan got, starts hacking at that thing. Hacking, shooting, hacking, shooting. Everyone else is holding on to Eleven for all their life. Finally, Lucas hacks the arm off, and it shoots back. The monster retracts, but the mouth part is still like attached to Eleven's leg. Mike rips it off, and with that, Eleven screams to high hell. The monster then seems to stare down at Eleven, and it's almost like this mano y mano or monstery womano uh, moment where Eleven stares up at the monster. It felt like an old-fashioned showdown, and Eleven stands up because she's not done fighting yet. The monster starts to scream. Eleven screams, screams. And then with both hands, she just pulls her hands apart and she uses the power to literally rip the monster's head in half. Holy, I'm not going to say it. Um, But it looks like uh, the thing's able to put itself together. I guess people goo heals quickly, but it gives them enough time to all run for the car, except for Eleven, who needs help getting in the car because of the bite. So Nancy jumps behind the wheel and they get the hell out of there uh, while the monster looks like it's starting to reform itself. We cut back over to the star court uh, where those guards are chasing or at least briskly walking after the kids who are scrambling through the halls as quickly as they can. Uh, But Dustin knows where they're going. They're going to the movie theater. And they're sneaking into my all-time favorite movie, Back to the Future. Yeah, I just included that because it's my favorite movie of all time, and I, uh, I wanted to have a clip. That was a clip that they were. Um, they were walking into the movie theater uh, just as Doc Brown proved that time travel was possible thanks to the flux capacitor. I could go on and on, but I won't. Um, so Dustin rushes them down to a bunch of empty seats in the front row, gets Stephen Robin to sit and tells them to not go anywhere. And people are shushing and they're shushing p- people. And it, it's a pretty funny moment. Then he goes and sits with Erica uh, for a second, um, saying they have to lay low like Oswald. Erica, who, remember, she's a nerd and she's super smart. She's like, uh, Oswald was found and later shot. And Dustin's like, yeah, a week later. And anyway, who is a patsy? And it's just funny that Dustin is so seems like at that age he's into the JFK assassination conspiracies. Um, I remember I was 15 or so when the JFK movie came out. And I went to see it in the theaters. I remember being so into it back then. Uh, so it just seeing like a nerdy kid like that into it is just funny and just reminds me of myself. Uh, so he tells Erica to keep an eye on Tweedledee and Tweedledum because he is going to look for a ride. We cut back over to our grown-up friends. They're still in their stolen convertible car. 
and Alexei is explaining to Murray the location of the key to turn off the machine. Actually, there are two keys. Two-man rule. Two-man rule? Yeah, two men, two keys, like a nuclear launch. But uh, to retrieve the keys, there is a vault. And to open the vault, you need to enter Planck's constant. Planck's what? Planck's constant. It's a very famous number. All right, so we get the keys, and then we turn the machine off. That's what he says. Well, that shouldn't be too hard. We can do this. Joyce, did you hear the part where he said the place was like an impenetrable fortress? Yeah, but there has to be a way in. Yeah, there is. Our military. Who are? coming. Well, we don't know that anymore because you yelled at them like it was a parent-teacher conference and then you hung up on them. So, we don't know what the hell's going on because now we're... Wait, wait, what are we doing? Oh! Wait, that's right! We're on our way to rescue our children from the big, bad Fourth of July celebration! You know if you can't handle this, then just turn around and drop me off first! So, Joyce and Hopper start really bickering because Joyce wants to just get out of the car and get to the kids. And Hopper thinks that we don't have to worry about the kids. You know, we have to worry about the Russians. And Murray finally calls them off for their bickering and yells at them to stop and says, well, well, he says this. Why don't you two cut the horse shit and get to the part where you admit your sexual feelings for one another? Whoa! You are way off Oh, spare me, spare me, spare me. Yes, yes, he's a brute, I know. Probably reminds you of a bad relationship. And gosh, you really like a nice man to settle down with, but admit it, you're real curious to know what he's like in the sack. And you, ha! Ah, well, you're just a big man, baby. You'd rather act tough than show his true feelings because the last time you opened your heart, you got hurt, Alan. And now, rather than admit these feelings, you're dancing around one another with this mind-numbing and, frankly, boorish mating ritual. So, please, for my sake, either quit your bickering or pull over, tear off those clothes, and get it over with already! So right at that moment, Murray's basically everybody watching Stranger Things. Uh, We all see it. We know how they feel about each other even if they can't see it or admit it. Uh, but the best part of that is Murray and Alexi. Um, Murray's like, I told them to have sex. And Alexi's like, they haven't had sex yet? And they just laugh and laugh and laugh. And you could see that Hopper and Joyce were just annoyed and just sat quietly. Uh, and they just were, they seemed annoyed with each other and annoyed with Murray because he's probably right, but they don't want to admit it. It was just, it was a funny little moment. And um, as they drive on, we see that they've passed the border and they're back in Indiana. We're back with Eleven and the gang. They're uh, in the station wagon and they tear ass and skid to a stop right outside a grocery store, a Bradley's Big Buy to be exact. Nancy is leading the way. She seems to be their leader now. Uh, She throws a rock through the door and leads them in. There's no alarm, so I guess that's grocery stores in small towns in the 80s. Uh, But she she just seems so confident and ready to kick ass. Uh, She goes right to the medical supply shelf, grabs some gauze, grabs some rubbing alcohol, and she's ready to help Eleven, who is being helped by Max and Mike, to walk. They put her down, uh, and they look at the wound. It looks really bad. And Nancy's ready to clean the wound, but wait, not so fast. Mm. Whoa, whoa, hey, what are you doing? I'm cleaning the wound. No, first we need to stop the bleeding, then clean, then disinfect, then bandage. 
skateboard, trust me. It's cool that Max seems to know what to do with the wound. Um, but then just now part of me thought, does she know how to deal with wounds because of her abusive stepdad? And I hadn't had that thought at all. Not watching it, not writing my notes, not until just this exact moment. I hope not. I hope it's just because of skateboarding. I hope that's not an excuse. Um, but just thinking of that made me sad. But originally, all I write was, it's cool that she knows how to do, deal with wounds. And, I, and I'll, say, I'll tell you one thing about Stranger Things. Uh, the girls are not there to support the boys. It's not like, um, here are the boys and here's some girls that are there for them. I mean, these girls, they kick ass. They take charge. Uh, they're the heroes. And that includes Max, too. It's funny, Lucas, um, he empties his backpack and it's just filled with all kinds of junk and him and Will are standing there and he's like, does any of this help? She's like, no, but can you go get a washcloth and a bowl? So at least she sends them off to get those things. At least they're helping. And Eleven seems really, really uncomfortable. So Nancy and Jonathan are off looking for more supplies um, for Max. And it's at that point, it seems like they've come to a realization. What did that thing look like to you? Like that thing in the hospital, only bigger. Yeah, a lot bigger. Like, Tom and Bruce, they merged to become one, right? And and Driscoll kept saying how she needed to go back to the source. Wait, so... you think Driscoll's in there? Oh, she's maybe. in there. And, and, and maybe Heather and Janet, too, and God knows who else. I don't know how we're going to kill this thing, but if we do... We kill all the flayed. And we end this. Maybe. All I know is we need Al. Hell yeah, you need Al. Uh, but yeah, you know, they, I think they realize now that killing that monster, well, they say it's going to kill all the flayed, but I don't think the flayed are coming back. Like, I don't think they can unguify themselves. And um, like they, I feel like they died the moment they fell, turned into this smushy goo and merged with the monster. It's not like their souls are in there or anything like that, I, I don't think. Um, but no, they're like um, they're already dead. And now you need to kill this monster uh, once and for all. So while this is going on, Lucas and Will are looking for a bowl. And I thought it was actually kind of cute uh, that they looked in a cereal aisle uh, because they're kids. And what do they use bowls for? Cereal. I mean, maybe they go look in the ice cream aisle next but they're like, what else do you use a bowl for except for cereal? And it just showed how you know young and immature they still are. Uh, they wouldn't even know that you could find a bowl, um, I'm guessing, in the bowl section. I grocery shop, too, and I, I think there's like a place where you can get bowls. There definitely is. It's like where the plastic wrap is and the containers and stuff like that. Anyway, that doesn't matter uh, because... Um, as they're walking down that aisle, they come across the mother load. Satan's baby. Fireworks. And that's when Max finds them looking at the fireworks. And she's like, uh, what are you doing? That's not a bowl. But he explains that these things, or at least maybe it was uh, Satan's baby, is filled with so much gunpowder that if you put five of them together, it's basically a stick of dynamite. There was always those kids who knew a lot about fireworks. And I think of that quarter stick of dynamite, like, or M80s as a kid. Those things were loud as hell. 
So all those things together, loud as hell and extremely unsafe, but possibly effective when fighting a giant monster from another dimension. So there is that to keep in mind. So while Jonathan is off with Nancy and Max is over by Will and Lucas, that gives Mike and Eleven a little time to themselves. And Mike is asking how she's doing and um, says she'll have a pretty badass scar. Bitchin' is what Elle called it. Uh, And then Mike starts to open up to her a little. He apologizes for being a jerk. He apologizes for being jealous about her and Max hanging out, thinks it's a good thing. Uh, And he tries, tries to tell her how he feels. He's like, you know, he says that word. He talks about that word. Uh, and he, you, you know, he's just afraid to say the word love, at least to her, because he said it in front of everyone else. But to her, he's afraid to say the word love. And while he's trying to find the right word, he gets interrupted. That I. Dustin? Mike? Dustin? Mike! I know I've been MIA and I'm, I'm sorry, it's not because I'm mad. I mean, I actually was mad, but it's also because I was trapped underground in a secret Russian base. I am Dustin, you're going way too fast. I can't understand you. I know that sounds insane, but the Russians have infiltrated Hawkins. The goddamn Russians! And now they're using it to open the gate. Dustin, you're, you're breaking up. And now they're after us and we don't have a way out of here. So I need you to come and get us. Can Nancy drive? <laughs> Dustin, you're cutting out. Mike? Mike, Mike, do you copy? Shit, not now. Please, not now. Mike, Justin, Mike. What is it? A couple things about that. Number one, Dustin is the best. His reactions, his, his, the way he screams, the goddamn Russians was, is just awesome. Um, number two, I love that the music in the background was from Back to the Future. They did something very similar last season when they used Gremlins theme song. Uh, So I loved that. Um, And number three, and I've said it before and I'll say it again. I love it when the groups start to get together. The groups that are working over here and working over there, working for a common goal. And then they come together. We're not there yet, but we're working towards it. And I love it. Now... Of course, Mike doesn't know exactly what's going on. Dustin went into great detail, but Mike could barely hear it because the battery, the friggin' battery on Dustin's walkie-talkie died. You know, 2020, just text the guy, hey, I need your help. But this is not then. Or this is not now, this is then. You know what I mean. Um... Yeah, they had to rely on the walkie-talkie, and uh, without the walkie-talkie, what are they going to do? Nancy and Jonathan come back to uh, Mike, and Mike turns and just looks at them. And you can see that he's about to tell them what the hell's going on and that they need their help. We cut back to Dustin. He runs back to his seat in the theater, and there's a funny exchange between him and Erica uh, as he asks her if she has any AA batteries, and she's like, why would I have double-A batteries. He's like, I always carry them in case of emergency, in case I need them. She's like, okay, well, then what's the problem? I need eight of them. And well, guess what? 
they don't have eight of them. And then Dustin looks up. Oh, he goes, um, I guess we'll have to go to plan B. And she's like, well, what is plan B? And then she notices him looking down the aisle and he, she turns and looks too. And all of a sudden we see that Steve and Robin are gone. But they didn't really go very far. In fact, they're just outside the movie theater getting a drink of water from the fountain. That's amazing. So, like, I wasn't totally focused in there or anything, but I'm pretty sure that mom was trying to bang her son. Wait, wait, the hot chick was Alex B. Keaton's mom? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. But they're the same age. No, but he went back in time. <laughs> then why is it called Back to the Future? He has to go back to the future because... He's in the past, so the future is actually the present, which is his time. Wh- what? No, no, it's my turn, and you've had enough. So that was, again, just a fun little moment that I had to put in because it's talking about my favorite movie of all time, Back to the Future. And I love that Steve calls him Alex P. Keaton. For those of you who don't know, Michael J. Fox is the star of Back to the Future. At the same time, he was the star of Family Ties, a very successful sitcom where he played Alex P. Keaton. So I love that just because um, it's funny that Steve would not know who the actor is, just knows that that's Alex P. Keaton from Family Ties. Uh, And at that point, Robin takes over the the bubbla. Yes, I said bubbla. Um, A water fountain. I'm from Massachusetts, and they were water bubblers. Water bubbler. But if you just say quickly, and you have that Boston, Massachusetts accent, it's a water bubbler. And I said that once to uh, someone in Florida. I said, oh, there's a bubbler. And they thought I was talking about a jacuzzi. I was not. Um, So while Robin takes from the water fountain, drinks from that, Steve looks up, uh, just really still tripping. And he sees the ceiling lights in the mall. And he's like, wow, they're so pretty. And then Robin comes over and looks too. And wow, so pretty. But they're looking up. And it's like it's spinning and spinning and lights and spinning. And you know what happens when you've got drugs in your system and things are starting to spin? Yeah, you both get sick to your stomach. So they both run right into the bathroom together. I think it's the men's room. Doesn't matter. And they just both pretty much simultaneously throw up back at the fun fair uh, the adults show up Hopper and Joyce head in but they tell Murray to stay behind with Alexi and Hopper still seems pretty ticked off with Murray for what he said so Hopper and Joyce uh, head into the carnival and he's like I'm sorry about what Murray said but Joyce really doesn't seem to care she just wants to find the kids that's all she cares about while they're walking, they don't realize that they passed right by the mayor who's posing with some people. But he notices them. And that jackass races right out to his car. Notice he had a convertible almost like that guy, the Todd father, the convertible they took. So it's almost like, look at these, these D-bags with their convertibles. So he races out to his car, pulls out his sweet car phone, and calls the quote-unquote commie bastards. So you know... He's calling the scary Russians. 
we cut back over to the grocery gang. Uh, Eleven is blindfolded, and by the look of her bloody nose, she's already been working to try to find someone, which we could assume is Lucas and his group. She's in the freezer section, I think probably because the hum of the freezers acts as kind of a good white noise distraction that she seems to need. But it's also a nice touch that she's sitting right in front of a door with Eggos. Uh, Eggo Waffles, Eleven's favorite. And while she's sitting there, blindfolded, using her powers, the rest of the gang is just sitting there quietly. But, well, not completely quiet. How do you even drink that? Because it's delicious. What? It's like Carpenter's The Thing. The original is the classic. No question about it. But the remake? <sighs> Sweeter. Bolder. Better. You're insane. So, you prefer the original thing? What? No, I'm not talking about the thing. I'm talking about New Coke. It's the same concept, dude. Uh, actually, it's not the same concept. It is the same concept. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Hey! Sorry. Sorry. Did you find him? So a couple things I want to talk about there. Let's focus on New Coke for a moment. Now, I am the age... Um, I think I'm a little younger than the kids age in this year was this 1985 um i am nine years old i think i don't know but i distinctly remember new coke now for those of you who don't know coca-cola put out a new coke it was supposed to be bolder it was a sweeter sweeter cola and um it came out and pretty much flopped. And all of a sudden, Coca-Cola became Coca-Cola Classic. You remember, you might have seen Coca-Cola Classic everywhere. I mean, for years, it was called Coke Classic, Coca-Cola Classic, because it was Coca-Cola 2 uh, or, or New Coke. Um, and then they, paid, they basically brought it back as Coca-Cola Classic. The sales did way better. They got rid of Coke, New Coke or Coke 2, depending on where you were. And the rest is history. There was some conspiracy that said uh, they created Coke, New Coke, just so that when they brought back the original, it would boost sales. But uh, I saw a quote that says, yeah, we're not that dumb and we're not that smart. Um, but I just thought that was an interesting thing because Coke, New Coke was this or is this kind of like representation of um, trying too hard to improve something when it doesn't need to be improving, proved upon and failing. And that is uh, New Coke in a nutshell. But I know that they brought the, I don't know if it was the exact formula, but they brought back New Coke in 2019 for this season of Stranger Things. I never got my hand on it. I know it was promotional, but I just love the fact that they did that. And I thought that was really cool. Now, also the fact that it's just funny that these kids, again, they're kids, they're, they can't stay quiet for two minutes to let Eleven do her thing. They can't let her, you know, sit quietly. And they're just arguing about movies and arguing about new Coke and arguing about remakes. And it's just, 
a funny little thing that I noticed. All right, enough about New Coke. Eleven did find them, and now she knows they're at the movies. And it's funny, Lucas is like, all this is going on, and Dustin is at the movies? Why? And they're like, are you sure he said gate? And maybe he said great, like this movie's great. And Mike and Eleven are like, no, it sounded like he said gate. And they're like, that probably makes sense since the monster's back. And Max sarcastically is like, well, at least we can fight him off with all of Lucas's fireworks. And Lucas is like, keep doubting my plan. Keep doubting it. Okay. And they all head off towards the movies. But before we go with them, uh, the camera pans back and cuts down to the remains, I I guess, of the dressing and some blood that was spilled from the wound. Uh, basically the mess the kids left behind when um, tending to Eleven's bite. Uh, and something weird happens. The It looks like the blood is like moving, and which I did not remember that at all. But I'm guessing that maybe some of the monster got into Eleven's bloodstream. Uh, it's crazy. Or, and it's like still there because that blood, it was a moving. So we cut back to the bathroom outside the movie theater, and ugh, gross. Steve is flushing his puke. Uh, the ceiling has stopped spinning for both of them, so it seems like the trip is mostly over, but there still seems to be a little bit probably in their system. They're asking each other questions, like Steve asked Robin, when was the last time she peed her pants? And Robin said, today, when the Russian took that bone saw out, so they're laughing a little. And then Robin asked Steve a question. Just kind of, they're kind of gauging their mental capacity and asks, uh, have you ever been in love? And he's like, yep. Nancy Wheeler, senior year. And Robin's like, oh my God, she is such a priss. Steve's like, nah, turns out not really. That's right. Because Nancy's badass. Are you still in love with Nancy? Robin asks him. And this is a pretty touching moment. He's like, no. I think I found someone who's a little better for me. And Steve starts getting real, and you can tell. You can tell he's talking about Robin, even if he doesn't say her name. And Robin, she can tell too. And uh, this is the point where you think, you think they're going to become a couple, Um, but not so fast, bub. Robin, you can see she's touched by this, but you can see there's like pain and frustration We don't know exactly why yet. At first you think, oh my God, she excited. Oh my God, she doesn't like him. Oh, what's what's going on? We think, oh, maybe finally the boy that likes me, uh, um, that I like, likes me too. But uh, no, no, it's not that. Steve slides down uh, into her um, stall. So they're sharing a stall now. They're both lying on the ground. It's kind of gross when you think about it. And... um, Steve's like, so what what do you think about that? And Robin starts off and says, you know, if that boy knew that girl, really knew that girl, he probably wouldn't want even to be her friend. He wouldn't want anything to do with her. Steve's like, that's not true. There's, There's no way that is true. Listen to me, Steve. It's shocked me to my core. But I like you. I really like you. But I'm not like your other friends. And I'm not like Nancy Wheeler. Robin, that's exactly why I like you. Do you remember what I said about Click's class? About me being jealous and, like, obsessed? Yeah. 
it isn't because I had a crush on you. It's because she wouldn't stop staring at you. Mrs. Click? Tammy Thompson. I wanted her to look at me. But she couldn't pull her eyes away from you and your stupid hair. And I didn't understand because you would get bagel crumbs all over the floor. And you asked dumb questions and you were a douchebag. And, and you didn't even like her. And I would go home and just scream into my pillow. Tammy Thompson's a girl. Steve. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Holy shit. Steve, did you do over there? No, just, uh, just thinking. I mean, yeah. Tammy Thompson, you know, she's cute and all, but, I mean, she's a total dud. She's not. Yes, she is. She wants to be like a singer. She wants to move like Nashville and shit. She has dreams. She can't even hold a tune. I'm just practically tongue deaf. Have you heard her? All the time. <laughs> she does not sound like that. She sounds exactly. That's no, she a great does not impersonation sound like that. of her. You sound like a Muppet. She sounds like a Muppet. She sounds like a Muppet giving birth. <laughs> and if you can hold me tight, I'll be holding on forever. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, what the hell? Yeah, I know that was a long clip, but I don't care. It was a pretty um, great moment for uh, Robin. And, of course, I can't remember the actress's name. Is it Mia Hawk? But, um, you know, this is the 1980s, okay, when this is happening. And you don't like... It's funny that Steve doesn't even like register the thought or the possibility that um, Robin could be gay. Like he just didn't think like that. I think, or I'd hope nowadays it'd be like, Oh, Oh, okay. Like, but back then I, I'm sure Robin, the character was frightened and like it took so much for her to say this and finally get this out. And the fact that Steve took it like, took it in stride and I don't mean what I mean is because Steve kind of opened his heart up to her and was hoping that she would reciprocate and when she didn't the reason why she didn't Steve didn't you know turn his back on her he wasn't what you would say is a douchebag or an a-hole uh, he was just like Tammy she can't even sing what do you want with her like almost like okay you could do better than Tammy. So I I loved that moment for the characters and for the friendship because, look, 
they don't not every boy and girl needs to couple up and become a couple on a show. These two you could just see formed a amazing friendship. Like right in that moment, their friendship was fortified for what I would assume is life. I mean, best friends, I don't know. But great friends forever? That's what it feels like. I just feel like that moment solidified it. And I love the fact that Dustin and Erica came in, barged in at the end of like, Dustin's like, what the hell? Like, mom and dad are here, and they're mad at you. We cut back to the grocery store uh, for a moment, and uh uh-oh, Billy's there. I think this is the only time we see him in the whole episode. And uh, why would he know that they were even there? But it has to be the blood. Somehow, the blood that connects Billy with the Mind Flayer now connects Eleven with Billy and the Mind Flayer. He touches the blood, puts his fingers through it, and it seems like he gets some sort of huge visceral chemical reaction. His pupils just, boom, they get humongous. And uh, it seems like he's gotten some further connection with Eleven, and he knows maybe how to find her now? Back at the carnival, we're with Alexi and Murray. They're waiting in the car, and Alexi is explaining to him that if you turn the key off on the machine, the machine will be off, but it still works. Could could be turned back on. So uh, what you really need to do is completely destroy the machine. And he has a method to do that. But he's like, when you do this, destroy the machine, you have to make sure that there's nobody nearby because it turns to people into dust. Uh, but once it's destroyed, it's over. And he's like, after that, I can become an American citizen and enjoy all the fun. And Murray's like, uh, my friend, why wait to be an American citizen to enjoy all this fun? And then the two of them head into the carnival, which Murray was a bad, bad idea. They go in and Murray buys 15 tickets for Alexi to play games or do various things. And Alexi looks around and notices all the games and he starts talking about how they're rigged, aren't they? And Murray's like, of course they're rigged. And Alexi's like, they don't seem rigged. And Murray's like, that's the point. They are designed to present the illusion of fairness. I love that line. They are designed to present the illusion of fairness. Designed to put money into the rich man's pocket. Ah, America. But hey, he said, knock yourself out. He hands them the tickets and he's like, I'm going to go try to find some semblance of food. Again, bad idea, Murray. Alexi smiles and goes off to use the tickets. And maybe not even three feet away, uh, they don't even notice each other, is Hopper and Joyce. They're walking by. They're still looking for the kids. uh, And they see the wheelers. And they're like, maybe they know where the kids are. They follow them into this ride and ask where the kids are. And of course, Mrs. Wheel is like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe they're at Lucas's or then they went to Dustin's. I'm not really sure. Mr. Wheel is like, they're probably getting into some trouble. I'm like, yeah, you think? You think, Mr. Wheeler? 
And then the ride operator is like, we're starting the ride now. And they're like, can you wait two seconds? Hopper's like, can you wait? She goes, nope, not doing it. And she turns the ride on, stand up against the wall. This is one of these rides that um, it stick you stick to the wall. And when I was a kid, there was a, I went to a place called Canopy Lake Park. You can look it up. I, I probably live 15 minutes away from there. Uh, but as a kid, I felt like it was like so far away. It's an amusement park. And it had this ride called the Turkish Twist, which I'm realizing now why they renamed it, because that seems very culturally insensitive. So it was called the Turkish Twist as a kid, though. I didn't even I didn't understand it. Uh, and it was it was even less intricate than this ride. It was literally a padded wall that you leaned up against and then the things it spun and it spun so fast that you were stuck to the wall and then the floor would drop. So you were stuck to the wall. Your feet were off the ground. I did it once or twice in my life. Um, I don't think I got sick. I might've, uh, but I remember as a kid, the, the urban legend was you throw up and because of the centrifugal force, if you throw up would fly out and shoot right back in your face which is gross, and I'm sorry I even brought it up. But anyway, anyway, that's it. The ride just spins. And they stick to the wall, and, like, Mr. Wheeler seems a little freaked out, but it's a nice little moment because we get to see Joyce and Hopper reach for each other's hands and hold hands for a moment, which was nice. We cut back over to the movies, and we see uh, it's the end of Back to the Future. Roads, where we're going, we don't need roads. And everyone's happy and clapping, and then the crowd lets out, and our mall rats attempt to kind of escape by blending in with them. But I just want to talk about the movies that are on the marquee. Um, first of all, let's list out the movies. We know Back to the Future. Then there's also Daryl, Return to Oz, Cocoon, Fletch, and The Stuff. Some of these are classic 80s movies. Some of these are less than classics. Uh, but we all know Back to the Future. Daryl is about a, a small boy who's actually a robot. Now, Daryl was uh, the, the actor who was in that uh, was his name Barrett Oliver. He was a little kid actor. He was also in Cocoon, uh, which was about aliens. The stuff is about like this goo. Huh? Interesting that they chose the stuff. Fletcher is a Chevy Chase cop movie. Return to Oz, a, a sequel to uh, Wizard of Oz. But the reason I bring up Barrett Oliver is because he starred in Daryl. He starred in Cocoon. And he also starred in The NeverEnding Story. And what does that have to do with Stranger Things? Well, nothing yet. Anyway, I just want to talk about the movie, uh, the movies that were listed on the marquee. Uh, so they're making their way out through the crowd. And it seemed like it worked. Now Dustin thinks all we have to do is get on the bus with everyone else and go back to my house and everything will be cool. Lay low. Steve's like, uh, you probably don't want to go back to your house because I told him your full name. Sorry, buddy. And Dustin's like, what? Why would you do that? He's like, I was drugged. I didn't know what I was going on. And then they noticed that uh, there's actually, while they're bickering, there's some security guards up ahead. They're questioning people. And Dustin's like, abort, abort. They make a break for it, and the guards notice them. And so they run off, and they do something that I would have loved to do as a kid. So there's an escalator going up and an escalator going down right next to each other. And right in the middle is this perfect metal slide that they just slide down perfectly to get away as quickly as possible. We cut back over to the fair, and Alexi is killing it. 
at darts. And he is high-fiving kids and uh, having a great time. And he wins, like, the big prize, a huge Woody Woodpecker doll. And he is on cloud nine. And he, he, he spots Murray, who's getting some corn dogs. And he's like, Murray, it's not rigged. It's not rigged. And Murray sees him, and he's so happy for him. And then, out of nowhere, out of nowhere, the scary Russian man approaches. And it's like, Murray doesn't see him. I'm not even sure Alexei sees him. But we see him. We see him. It's too late. The gunshot rang just as another balloon popped. With all the noise, nobody noticed. And as the Russian man walked by, he called Alexei a traitor. Murray rushes over to him, gives him his shirt to help with the bleeding, and then grabs him, pulls him in between a few food carts, sets him down, and says, I'm going to go look for some help. This is awful. You could just see the look in Alexei's face when he sees the blood. He's like, oh no, they got me. I didn't get away. So Murray takes off, rushes over, and spots Hopper and Joyce coming off that spinny ride. He must be thinking, what the hell are they doing on a ride? Jim! 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 They got Alexi, Jim! Jim! Alexi! They got Alexi, Jim! We gotta go. We gotta go. After noticing Murray and what he said, Jim looks around and sees that the scary Russian guy is uh, is walking towards them, and they book it. He's like, we got to go. He grabs Joyce, runs off with her, and it's Mrs. Wheeler comes off the ride and just looks and says, they make a very odd couple. I like Mr. and Mrs. Wheeler because they're so completely out of touch in what's going on in the world. <laughs> and now another in another direction, another bad guy comes. And then another one. And they keep finding them and they keep, um, they're like, they're slowly stalking them down. So Hopper grabs Joyce, runs through a bunch of games to try to find an exit. There's another scary guy. They all seem to walk the same. Did I say that already? And Hopper tells Joyce, look, you got to find Murray, get the car, bring it around the back. And then he gives her the keys and runs off without her. And I'm like, wait. It's a good thing they're not after her. They're just after him because she's off by herself now. Ooh, this is making me nervous. Hopper runs over to a funhouse called The Big Top. Uh, it's like he's trying to bring them there. I'm thinking he's trying to lure them there, uh, not trying to hide, because he's trying to lure them away from um, Joyce. That's my hope. Uh, and he starts yelling at any family he sees, like, police business, get your kids and get the hell out of here. And as he heads into one of the rooms, one of the rusky bad guys follows him in with his gun drawn into the cave of horrors. Escape this game alive. 
Never mind the tiger. Watch out for the hopper. Hopper jumps the rusky punk and just starts beating the fart out of him. I mean, go, hop, go. He's like, boom, bam, boom. Outside, Joyce is frantically running, looking for Murray, and luckily Murray finds her. It's like, it scares you for a moment because he grabs her and startles her. Uh, but then he's like, it's, it's me, it's me. They go and run back to Alexi together, and uh, he's gone. Like Alexi is... Uh, passed away and you could just feel the guilt in Murray he's like I left him for a minute just for a corn dog a stupid corn dog but I'm not even sure if Murray was with him if that would have made a difference maybe staying in the car would have made a difference but maybe not because you know the Russians were called by the mayor the mayor that caused all of this, really. The reason Alexei is dead uh, all started with the mayor making that call. Back inside the big top, Hopper finishes off that first Russian dude. He doesn't kill him, but he definitely knocks him out. Back outside, we see that the, uh, the main Russian guy, the crop top Terminator looking guy, he's now making his way into the funhouse. But at least now Hopper has a gun and a walkie talkie. And he heads up higher into the funhouse to another floor. Back outside, Joyce and Murray are making their way outside of the funfair. And at what point, you have to wonder, is the dead body of Alexi going to be found? I don't know. This is all the same night, so I'm sure it'll come up. Uh, But before Joyce and Murray get to the car, she sees Mayor Larry by his car. And... She goes up to him and he's like, Joyce, with that fake, sappy, French friendship type kind of douchebaggery. And she walks over and pops him right in his mayoral face and then knees him right in his mayoral balls. Uh, And now, now she's ready to leave. Back inside the funhouse, the scary Russian guy now goes into the Hall of Mirrors, which just makes the place seem way bigger than it really is because, you know, because of all the mirrors. But I've always found those things kind of freaky, at least in movies where you're trying to run away from a bad guy who wants to shoot you um, because you don't know what's real and what's a reflection. So it adds to, like, the anxiety of the viewer. Uh, the bad guy thinks he sees Hopper and fires one shot only to hit a mirror and then Hopper comes out of nowhere and bam, 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 fires six or seven shots right into the bad guy. Um, but unfortunately, right into the bad guy's chest. And you know, you know, you've watched enough television. Uh, didn't give him a double tap, didn't, didn't pop him in the head. Maybe he should have. Um, but uh, yeah, now with that shot, there are a bunch more Russian guys coming. And yeah, yeah, our friend is alive. He had a, um, a bulletproof vest on. Uh, so Hopper makes a run for it. And actually, it's funny. He's he's like, oh, I guess I have to do this. He goes down a kitty slide, just goes down the kitty slide to get away from them, runs out to the back of the car. And there's Joyce and Murray exactly in the car in the back where he asked them to be jumps in the car and they take off. And he asked about Alexi and they gave that that typical international sign that he didn't make it the. You know, like the they look down and a head, head shake like, yeah, he didn't make it. They didn't have to say that. That's just how it works in the world of cinema and television. Uh, but at least now he has a walkie talkie 
and he can hear them talking. So he asks Murray to translate. What are they saying? And what are they saying? They're saying, we found the children. They're on the lower level of the mall. So those grown-ups have to be freaked out now because, A, they know to go to the mall, and they know that, quote-unquote, the children are there. Well, whose children do you think they're talking about? I mean, this is the third year of Stranger Things. By now, Joyce and Hopper, when they think scary Russian people are chasing children in Hawkins, guess what? They're chasing their children. So they drive off, and that is the last time we see the grown-ups in this episode. But... What about those Russians in the mall? We cut over to them, and we see the other end of the conversation where the Rusky says he's tracked the children down. And now he's like, lock all the exits. And we see there are multiple bad guys there. And this is pretty tense. They're searching around. They all have their guns drawn. Uh... We see they're looking. There's a car there. There's a convertible that you could win. A lot of convertibles in this episode. Uh, that you could win is a prize. Oh, I think they've spotted them. It seems like they saw some movement behind a counter in the food court. Now, I was hoping it was a distraction. But we see that it's all four of our friends. Erica, Steve, Robin and Dustin hiding behind the counter. And the Russians get closer and closer. And it seems like they're just about to find them. When all of a sudden... The Russians are like, what the hell? And then all of a sudden they look up and they see all the kids and Eleven standing there. And then... Eleven completely wipes them out. The kids that are hiding, our mall rats, take a moment to look up and be like, what the hell? And then they turn and look, and they see it. They're friends. They saved them! Oh, I love it. I said it. I love it when groups come together and it finally happened. <laughs> you flung that thing like a hot wheel. <laughs> Lucas, what are you doing here? It's them. It's their fault. True, yeah, totally true. It's absolutely our fault. I don't understand what happened to that car. Elle has superpowers. I'm sorry? Superpowers. She threw it with her mind. Come on, catch up. That's Elle? Who's Elle? I'm sorry. Who are you? I'm Robin. I work with Steve. She cracked the top secret code. Yeah, which is how we found out about the Russians in the first place. Russians? But what Russians? The Russians! Those were Russians? Some of them. What are you talking about? Didn't you hear our code red? Yeah, but I couldn't understand half of what you were saying. Goddamn low battery. How many times do I have to tell you with the low battery? Yeah, well, everything worked out, didn't it, Steve? Worked out? We almost died. Yeah, but we didn't, did we? Yeah, we were pretty damn close. Okay, Russians, as in they're working for the Russian government. What is it that you're not comprehending? Am I not speaking English? Maybe they full blown red dawn information. So this is nothing to do with the game? It has everything to do with the game. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Elf! 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 What's wrong with that? What's wrong? What's wrong? My leg, my leg. Her leg, her leg, okay. Get down. Okay
So, our gang of friends are finally together. It's funny when you think about it. Um, the Marat kids don't know anything about the monster, and the monster kids don't know anything about the Russians. So it's like, whoa, your peanut butter's in my chocolate, your chocolate's in my peanut butter. Finally, it's together. But I'm not sure they have to worry about the Russians anymore. I think that's, I think that's the grown-ups' problem. They have a much more pressing problem, um, namely a monster made of people. But I do love that um, Dustin was all excited about seeing them. Um, I loved that it was like, let's catch up, everybody. Uh, yes, Lucas, Erica is part of this gang now. Sorry, it was definitely Steve's fault. Yes, uh, Erica, Lucas really is part of these these kids that are saving the world. Um uh, this is Eleven. She has superpowers. This is Robin. She cracked the code of the Russians. What Russians? All these things are going on. And while these things are going on, Eleven kind of wanders off, stumbles off, falls to the ground, is screaming in pain as the episode ends. They look at her wound, and it looks like bad. Like, like it looks like something's moving or it's lit. It's almost like it's like like lit up or something. It seems like it's alive, and you feel like that is definitely how... They're tracking them, um, and maybe they have to cut something out of her. I don't know, but my goodness. You know that the, um, that the kid's next stop is to fight for the Starcourt Mall. They're there now. They're all in the mall. They're ready for a fight. And with that, we come to the end of another episode of Stranger Things and another episode of Stranger Danger. Hmm. Now, I'd like to talk about what did we learn from this one? Well, we learned, uh, let's talk about the gate. We learned that there are two keys and that Plank's constant has something to do with these keys. Um, to get the second key or figure out the keys? I don't know. But we also know that the keys will turn off the machine. But you can turn the machine back on, so what the hell's the difference? What they need to do is destroy the machine, and Alexi, God rest his soul, outlined to Murray how to do that. So Alexi is still a hero. Rest in peace. Hopefully Murray remembered everything, because... I don't think they know that the kids are in the mall, but I don't remember them heading to the mall. I feel like, well, wait a minute. The mall is where the gate is. So it's all connected. So they must head to the mall um, because they go to the gate. We know that. I know. Look, you've all watched these episodes. I'm not spoiling anything, am I? I do know that this episode is definitely the longest episode of Stranger Danger that I've ever done. And... Um, the next episode, the season finale, is like 20 minutes longer. So uh, get ready because that one's going to be long as well. But that's what takes me so long to get these things done. 
because it takes a long time for me to write all these notes down. And then some of the notes I do speech to text. So as I'm looking at them, they make no sense whatsoever. Um, yeah. What else did we learn? Um, we learned that the mayor is a jerk and he deserves to go to jail uh, because he's the reason Alexi's dead. We now know that they know that the monster uh, is made up of all the people. Uh, Billy seems to have some sort of connection with the blood uh, and now with Eleven. So we got to deal with that. They have a bunch of fireworks, so I'm excited about that. Um, still no Dungeons and Dragons being played. Maybe someday. And, um, geez, what else? What else do we know? Um, I think... I think I covered everything. Uh, I know. I'm, I'm sure I didn't. Mrs. Mr. Mrs. and Mr. Wheeler are just clueless, and I enjoy that. Um, even their daughter like, knows that something's going on in the woods, and they won't even look. Nancy is, a, is a kicking ass now. She is a born leader. And um, Robin was uh, very brave to talk to Steve and tell her um, tell him her truth come out to him and good for Steve as a good friend to take it and be like oh okay you could do better than Tammy and uh, I know I couldn't do better than Tammy because that's my wife's name hi Tammy oh, she's sleeping in the other room um, yeah I think I think that is it I think I covered it so I want to thank you guys again for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for staying with me as it takes me so long to get these episodes up and done for you guys. Um, There will be a finale. There will be a season three finale. And then I am pretty sure that I have some ideas for what we can do um, between now and whenever we get Stranger Things 4. Cross your fingers. Cross your fingers that they can get back to work soon. Um, well, cross your fingers that the world is healthy. And as a byproduct, a television show can go back into production. Uh, I've said it before. I said it again. You can find me on Twitter at StrangerDPod and at Geek Mentality. The website is fansnotexpert.com. You know this by now. We're available everywhere. Podcasts are available. But most of you are on Spotify, just like me. So hello, Spotify. But we're available everywhere else. Anywhere else you can find a podcast, we're available. And six places that aren't podcasts, we're available there too, uh, including Hotmail, uh, your local dry cleaner. I'm just rambling now because it's very late and this podcast is very long. So I want to thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. And until next time, beware the Russian mall security. Unless you're 11, she kicked their ass. Fans not experts.